Here we go. Hello, and welcome to Black Talk. Black Talk is the co-creation of the Boulder County NAACP and KGNU. My name is Michelle Simpson, and for those of you who may be new to Black Talk, I want you to understand that what we do in this hour is we center Black voices, Black thought, and Black vision. And today we're going to center the voice of a key, key member of the Boulder community. Dr. Alana Morales, and I refer to her as the newish um, principal of Boulder High School. She may not feel that way anymore. <laughs> to me, still kind of newish. And uh, we're going to hear her thoughts about education. Um, more specifically, we're going to ask her about her reflections or to share her reflections as she wraps up her first year as the Black principal of the largely white Boulder High School. And we'll talk to her about her visions for her school, its students, its parents, and the community as we approach the fall 2023 school year. So, Alana, I'm delighted again to have you here on Blog Talk. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Now, well, again, thank you for that. I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. You know, I've read that when you accepted the offer to become principal, of Boulder High School, you said you did so because you were impressed, and these are your words, um, words at the time, with its diversity and traditions. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? Absolutely. You know, I don't know that you would necessarily think of Colorado or Boulder as particularly diverse in the terms of, you know, I've lived in, I'm from Chicago, I lived in the Sacramento area, and those are, you know, definitely a different type of diversity. But when you look at Boulder High School, you know, it is the most diverse uh, school within Boulder Valley School District. And uh, I was a military brat when I was growing up. My mom, you know, was a single mom for my first 10 years. And so we moved a lot, a lot. And so I moved probably every two years from uh, until I got married, actually. And so for me, I never was at a school long enough to kind of be part of those traditions. And I was fascinated by Boulder High's history and the community's commitment to Boulder High School. And that was an absolute drawing point for me because it just, I mean, we have teachers who have gone here, their parents went here, their grandparents went here. And that fascinates me because it's so dramatically different from what I experienced when I grew up. And so for me, that was definitely um, a huge allure of the job is just to be in a place that is so deeply embedded into its community, that was very foreign to me because I, I never had roots like that. So that was that was a lot of the reason I took this job. I see. So what is it like? What is it like to follow a wildly successful and popular principal? <laughs> and so, yeah, we're talking about my friend. Oh, yes. Um, Dr. James Hill, former yep. Mulder High School. He was there for seven years. 
and is currently assistant superintendent of human resources for the Boulder Valley School District. Um, you know, when I heard you were coming and you were taking the job, I thought, couldn't she wait and follow somebody everybody hated? <laughs> Definitely would have changed the way things went, that's for sure. <laughs> Oh yeah, I did. I have to. I have to be honest with you. I thought make this easy on yourself, sister. Yeah. Easy on yourself. No, no, no. I don't know, but I got it. I got it. No, it will. But yeah, I, that's something I've talked about over the past year. And to be quite honest, Dr. Hills, a lot of the reason, if you want to look at why I took this position, he is part of the reason as well. And I didn't know him before I took this position. But my thinking was if Boulder Valley School District had a black principal, a black male principal, which he's the first one I've ever met in my entire life. I've been in education over 25 years. If Boulder Valley was willing to have him and they're willing to hire me as well as a black female principal, that was huge to me because it yeah. shows that there are, you know, that the district was already in that kind of progressive thinking to where, you know, we we are looking for representation. So that was actually a big part of why I took the position is knowing that he was here before me. I knew he kind of he made it OK for me to be here is the way I look at it. Yeah. Right. And so I am. Um, so, yes, it is hard to fill his shoes literally and figuratively. I just changed out the desk because he's like a foot and a half taller than me. So it's been a little bit awkward. Like I see don't touch the ground when I sit in my chair, you know, I got all yeah. kinds of. But, you know, I think. Because we had such a traumatic year this past year, and I like to think that the staff and the community seeing how we manage those with so many new people, especially me being at the helm, I like to think that that helped my case because we were forced to to really be in the spotlight very quickly, you know, based on everything that happened last year. So I think if our year had started more quietly, I definitely think that would have come up more. But we had so much trauma. I don't know that it even was a huge deal because it was just managing crisis after crisis after crisis. Would you say something about some of those crises? Yeah. So, you know, I've been in this position officially now for a year. And when I first started, you know, we had, um, we come back, you know, technically we're not even back yet until that end, you know, mostly the end of July. So I reported back. Um, two days after I reported back, we had a, uh, one of our teachers who had been here for quite a long time, Dan Zahner was killed in a small plane crash. Um, and so we as an admin team, you know, we have this event that we go to and that's kind of our first planning event where we get together as a team. So that was literally the first time I met with my team. My admin team was when I told them about the death of a teacher that I had just met. We went from that to about eight days after that, we had a student who committed suicide. Then about eight to 10 days after that, we had another stu student commit suicide. And, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot in my career. I've been in education for quite some time, never in that time frame, you know. And so we literally started the school year with a crisis and trauma team on site for staff and students. And so because we started with such turmoil and, and so much, so much pain and trauma, um, we we as an admin team were forced to really be able to hit the ground running. And so that definitely shaped a lot of how our year went. And I, I, again, I like to think that people saw how we managed those, especially with me being so brand new. And hopefully that helped our case rather than hurt it. Yeah. Well, tell me something. Um, and thank you for sharing, uh -huh. um, you know, sharing that with us. 
How did those crises, how did those incidents affect you? And when I said affect you in terms of, again, you being so new, Uh and perhaps, and I'm guessing at this, so maybe this wasn't the case, Uh but perhaps not having kind of a built-in kind of support group at maybe at Boulder High School or yeah. maybe within BVSD or within the community. How did you, how did you manage that? In other words, I guess my question is, how did you take care of yourself? That is such a fascinating question because my, I, that's a great question. I don't even know if I can answer that, to be honest with you, because so much of my concern was making sure I was doing a good job of taking care of everybody else. Um, despite not having those support networks in place, again, I think it's such a testament to the team we have here, the staff we have here, and really the community we have here, because quite a number of people actually did ask me like, hey, are you doing okay? Um, And so I think that shows like, you know, the strength of our admin team and, you know, how our mental health professionals came in and, you know, really supported the situation. Um, For me, you know, my kids are older, my personal kids are older. So I, you know, that, relieves a lot of the stress and I'm very committed and very um what I do is really, really important to me. It's really important that I take care of the people that I'm responsible for. So to be really honest with you, it wasn't really a thought. My only thought was how do I how do I make sure everybody's okay given the the absolute craziness of what we've, you know, experienced. And and to be quite honest, I didn't really I wasn't worried about myself at all because I I have been through a lot in my life. And so I know I will eventually when I, you know, when I've stopped doing things for other people, I know I'll take care of myself. Like I make sure I get my sleep. That's one of the things I I don't compromise on is my sleep. Um, you know, I'm in a really good relationship. My husband and I just celebrated our 27th anniversary. So, you know, I'm good there. But really for me, it was about take, how do I take care of people I don't know? I haven't had an opportunity to build relationships with anyone. I haven't had an opportunity to build trust with anyone because I literally just met them, you know? Exactly. And so for me, it was how can I show people who don't know me that my goal here is to take care of them and make sure that they're okay? Um, because, you know, that that's my whole purpose as a principal. My job is to make sure that I remove boundaries, whether they're literal boundaries or, you know, you know what are those barriers? The teachers being able to teach students effectively. That's what my job is. And at the time, the barrier was all the trauma we had experienced. Right. And so how can I just envelop everybody and let everybody know, I know this is hard because you don't know me, but I just need you to know, you know, I've got your back and no. we'll take good care of you. And um, so my my biggest concern was how do I take care of this very large group of people that I'm in charge of um, helping and protecting and caring for how do I help them go through so much? And that was, that really was my focus. I understand. So tell us a little something about you. Where are you from? And you said you well, were, said you were kind of moved around. So yeah, you had that yes. kind of military kind of history of movement. I did. Kind of yeah, so, place. But where do, what, where do you claim? In other words, what place claims you or you claim as so I claim a couple. I was born in Chicago, so um, I definitely claim Chicago as partial, you know, my partial home and lived most of my life in Arizona. Um, so lived there 
from the time I was in elementary school to uh, after my mom passed away. So I lived there, you know, and I had started my teaching career out there. And we, my husband and I, you know, we had kids and my mom passed away very suddenly. It was very traumatic. And so we were like, well, we've always wanted to live in Colorado. Let's give it a try. So we moved out here. I lived here for 10 years. He took a job in California. So we moved there for three. We were like, you know, we don't really like California. So then we came back. Um, So I've been, you know, I've been in education in several different states, um, several different systems, which I think is a benefit because it's given me a really good perspective from a lot of different viewpoints. I understand. So where would you say, you know, given that movement, what would you say you grew up and where did you perhaps extend school mostly? Arizona. Arizona. Okay. Okay. Yep. And do you remember, Alana, do you remember your past views of education or your past views when it came to educators or did you know, those notions develop later. No, I definitely, I'm a very opinionated person. <laughs> so I have a lot to say about those things. Now, my, I, I did not have a great educational experience growing up. And I think that was a big reason that I went into education was I wanted students to have a different experience than what I had. Got it. Now, do you come from educators? Do you come from a family nope. educators? I was the first one. So you kind of pioneered that path yourself. Oh, yes. Yep. I sure did. As principal of Boulder High School, who was Alana in high school? Oh, my gosh. She was the kid who didn't fit in. Really didn't fit in anywhere. You know, I, I my grandmother was white. Uh, my dad, my real dad was black. My stepdad is white. So I didn't fit in with the white kids and I didn't fit in with the black kids. Okay. So I was in that in between of not really fitting. But I didn't find my place in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a great student. I was decent. I definitely could have been better. Wow. Um, but, you know, I did well enough to get by and not get in trouble. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was not, you know, I, I was high school was rough for me. High school was a rough time and, you know, I had mental health struggles in high school and, you know, my parents, I moved when I was a junior in high school, which is horrible. But oh, horrible. my gosh. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. it was a, it ended up being a good move, you know, but at the time it wasn't. And so, you know, I've, I've had experiences for sure. Now, what it also sounds like you are so, so well suited. I'd like to think I am now because I I like to think so. Yeah. You have students coming from every walk of life and experience and who knows. Um, So as I understand it, you were the assistant principal of Folsom High School. That was what, in Folsom, California? Yep. Would you compare and contrast a Boulder High School and Folsom High School? You know, it's interesting because even though the demographics aren't exact, you know, Folsom is significantly more diverse um, with just the the different types of people that serves in the community. Um, there's actually a lot of similarities between the two, to be quite honest, as far as the, you know, parental education levels and uh, parental involvement is very similar out there to here. So it actually has more similarities than differences, to be quite honest, which I was actually really surprised at, uh, which is neither here nor there. You know, I, I, I'm really appreciated every experience that I've had. 
But yeah, it's interesting that the similarities between the two locations as far as, you know, how well educated our our community tends to be and, you know, some of the the different uh, the different dichotomies of, you know, groups of parents and students that we have is very diverse. That was, I experienced that in Folsom as well. So, yeah, a lot of similarities, actually. Now, you've taught in other Colorado school districts. Can you say a bit more about that? I thought, I remember as I was, you know, um, kind of going through your your background and, you know, investigating, I, I saw something. Alana about Adams, the Adams County. Were you Adams? So I was at I was in Adams 50. 50. Oh, it's way off. And I was, was way off. In, okay. Well, but Adams. And then I was in 27J and I was in teacher roles in both of those positions, in both of those districts as well. So again, a, a wide variety. You know, I spent like five years in one district, five years in one district. And so was that high school, middle school, elementary? Uh, middle school and high school, both, mostly high school. I taught every grade between 6 and 12, with the exception of 7th grade. Okay, okay. So let's say someone attending the University of Colorado School of Education, which is huge, um, approached you with the ambitions of becoming a high school principal. Okay. What advice would you give them? How do they prepare? How do they teach? How to get ready? Teach? You got to teach. I think, you know, I think one of the benefits, again, and in, in this, I feel really weird saying it like this because I feel like I'm like boasting and I don't, I, I don't like talking about myself. But that's really boast. difficult. No, on a boast. It's balance how I feel here because it's really weird. <laughs> but um, I think one of the advantages I have is that I was in the classroom for a really long time, you know, and, and, and everybody's path to this, to the seat is different. But I think for me, because I taught as long as I did, because I have experience with different systems, I have, again, I have a lot of perspective that I can bring into a lot of the situations that I encounter as an administrator. And so for me, you know, some people go into administration after teaching only five years and, you know, that's great for me. Um, having the the length of time in the, the, um, the classroom has really helped me because, you know, when you think about educational uh, and I'm sure since you're familiar with education, this will resonate with you. But when you think about, oh, another initiative, well, we just have to wait this one out. Oh, now we're doing this three years later. I've been through enough of those cycles as a teacher. I know what that feels like, you know. So now when I'm posed with how do I present this to my teachers, I have the perspective of how do I not do that to them, mm-hmm. you know. And I think because I taught so long um, that I I have a different perspective than an administrator who maybe only was in the classroom for five or six years. Got it. Got it. You know, generally speaking, I would say many, many in the community believe that the position you're in is tough. In other words, I think conventional wisdom would say that Boulder, Uh that city as a community, Boulder High School, Uh um, is is tough. Can be a tough place, tough city, and generally speaking, I think many believe it's tough because one in your role, again, the thinking goes, um, can never do enough. Can never uh-huh. be the idea that there's a level of entitlement um, on the part of both parents and students, and so the role in and of itself is fraught. Now, okay, 
job can be done. Not saying one can be successful in the job, but that that is kind of an added and perhaps unique feature, which is not to say people in other places, you know, don't bring again, you know, their full. I know what you're saying. That's not what I'm talking about. Being more specific uh, within the context of Boulder, it can be tough. It can be a tough place. And so what are your thoughts about that? It's interesting because I I absolutely know what you're talking to. And it's funny because when I took this position, people were like, oh, really? Or like, are you sure? And I was like, absolutely. I have not been experienced that at all. Not once have I experienced that. I think part of it is my perspective and the, just who I am. Like, what you see is what you get with me. I am not somebody who, you know, I'm, I'm a very, I like to think I'm a very straight shooter. I, I'm very forthcoming. I'm very, you know, I'm able to keep my cool. I'm able to, you know, separate emotion from conversations and all these things. And so when I'm working with community or students or whatever, that's how I approach it. And I, and I, I like to think that people are learning that um, I'm going to be a fair listener. I'm going to always listen to perspective. I'm always going to try and understand how I can be of service to other people. You know, and what I think you have to remember in any community, regardless of who it is, is we have parents' most precious commodity in their entire existence. We have their kids and we're responsible for their kids. So when parents come in upset or they feel entitled or they feel this or they feel that, it's because we have their babies, you know? And so you have to, I I always keep that in mind because like somebody messes with one of my kids. It's going to be on, you know, so I just think for, for me, you know, I'm able to remember if a parent, you know, comes at me hot, which doesn't happen very often if I'm jinxing myself. Um, but they know, I like to think that they know that I'm going to come into an understanding that they can't be, they have a right to be fired up. And as long as we have a respectful conversation, we're going to come to some solution that works. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to explain why, you know? And so that hasn't been my experience at all. I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect coming into this position, being an outsider um, and being a minority. And I have been, I have been beyond pleasantly surprised at how how wonderful this community has been to me. Like it's just, it's been fantastic. And so I hope it's not just a honeymoon period. We're <laughs> like, what's our first year? Go easy on her. Um, it's been so great. It's been one of the best parts of the job. It really has. And so again, I think perspective is everything, you know, and I try to, I try to maintain perspective in in every situation that I approach, but the community, I mean, I've had with all the things, we've had a lot, we've had a lot of things this year. I'd have parents just send me an email. I just hope you're taking care of yourself. Like you've been through a lot. Thanks for doing such a good job. But it never happens in education, you know, and it happened repeatedly here. I just think those little nuggets, that's all I need to keep going. You know, I didn't get to this job because I'm overly sensitive. <laughs> need somebody to pat me on the back all the time. I don't need that. But the fact that people are nice enough to to say, hey, I just really appreciate this or that. That's all I need. So it has been it absolutely has not been my experience. I have, I, I keep telling everybody I'm on the, at least the 10 year plan because I love what I do so very much. Ooh, that's wonderful to hear. 
Well, let me ask you this. So in taking the position um, as Boulder High School principal, again, you were quoted as saying that you being the new person in the community, that you wanted to understand the community first before any specific plan. Where are you with that? Where would you say you are with that? Well, I don't know if there's anything that brings out your community more than trauma and crisis. And so we've had so many different experiences over the past year that we've had to go through as a school community that I like to think, again, that I've seen the best and the worst, you know, at this point. And we're we're going to be just fine. You know, there's, I, again, I am, to this day, I mean, it's been a year. I'm so honored to be here. I love my job. I love coming into work. I love the people. Like it, it just brings me such joy and energy to, to be in this space and to be a part of something this phenomenal. And so for me, I, I still stand by that. Like I was just talking with um, my athletic director a little bit ago about I got to get to more events, you know, and I went to quite a few last year, but that to me is, is important to me because I, I like seeing our kids in the community and I like seeing our families in the community. And I want to hopefully do more of that this year where I'm, you know, doing hopefully less trauma team response and crisis response and just getting to enjoy because that's the fun part, you know, the business and paperwork and all that stuff. That's, you know, that's the business side of it. But the fun part is when you get to go see the kids doing the things and get to talk to the parents who are watching their kids yeah. and all of that. So even even now, it's not about change per se. I mean, obviously, there's things that we want to improve on. There's always things to improve on anywhere. But um, I just, yeah, I'm still looking forward to continuing that. And I love when I go to a place and I'm wearing my boulder gear and they're like, oh, I recognize you, you know, and it's just, it's, it's such, it's just fun. I'm having a great time. This is KGNU FM 88.5 Boulder, KGNU 1390 Denver. You are listening to KGNU. My name is Michelle Simpson, and I am the host of Black Talk. And today we are speaking with Dr. Alana Morales, the principal of Boulder High School. Now, I remember reading also that she, one of the things you said you wanted to do, um, and given the year you've had, you may not have gotten to this. <laughs> Probably not, is it? You wanted to create um, a student advisory board that represents um, student voices. Has that actually come to pass? No, it's gonna. It's definitely gonna happen this year, and I don't have a name for it because I actually want the students to come up with that. Um, I have a couple of different things that I want to do. I want to have an advisory committee that I meet with. Uh, my biggest thing is I I don't want to pick a set number of students or a set group of students. Because I really want any student that wants to have a chance to share, to have the opportunity. You know, one of the things I'm really working with with students is to understand, yes, I can be scary, but not all the time. And so, you know, by the end of the year, I had students who would come in and come talk to me about things and, and 
that's the kind of principal I want to be. I want to be approachable. I want students to feel like if they have something in their mind that they can come tell me. But I also think it's really important to give them a forum to do that as well. So I did do one uh, one lunch with the principal. We did pizza with the principal last year um, with some of our more at-risk students. Okay. And it was an opportunity where we literally gave them pizza. And I sat down with the notebook and I said, what do we do better? And I just listened the entire time. And we talked about what they wanted. And we talked about what we could do and what we couldn't do. We talked about why we couldn't do certain things. And um, every single one of those kids, every time I saw them in the hallway after that, said hi. And, and to me, that is worth it. I'll buy pizza. I wish I could do it weekly, <laughs> you know, because building those relationships is so great, you know. And and a couple of kiddos had some situations at the end of the year that they needed some adult support and they felt comfortable enough to come into the principal's office. And that, to me, is a huge victory. Alana, tell me, um, I'm old. And... And run a long time. So tell me, what does at risk mean these days? What is what is that? And who who will it can mean anything? To be honest with you, I mean it really can mean anything. It could be a student who's at risk for mental health reasons. Like if we know a student has mental health issues, that could be considered at risk. I mean, are there technical terms? Yes. In our, you know, we have data. You look at attendance. You look at grades. You look at behavior incidents, and you can look at those things. For me, it's about looking at students who maybe either aren't going to class or are not getting, I don't even want to say good grades. They're not passing enough classes, but they really should be. So it's a student who maybe, you know, there's nothing, like there's no disability. There's no, you know, nothing like that going on in their background that would maybe limit what they were able to do. They're just not living up to what they, what is possible. And so, again, for me, I really want kids. It's very, very, very important to me that kids know that I can be a safe adult and that there are adults in this building that deeply care for them, not just for their success, but success at not academic success, but just well-being, you know, being a good person and, you know, those types of things. That is deeply, deeply important to me. And so that is my hope through those types of activities is showing like, yeah, sometimes we have to put our foot down, you know, but here's why we're always going to explain it. We're going to tell you why, because we want you to understand, but then we can still go back to being friends. Like we can go back to, you can still say hi to me in the hallway just because, you know, I busted you the day before for, you know, ditchy class or whatever. It's, I just think those relationships are super important. Yeah. No, I love that idea though. So tell me, you know, as an educator, you and I both had a critical role in mental health plays. And from your vantage point as a principal of Boulder High School, what can you share with me and our listeners about the mental health concerns um, of young people mm-hmm. that have contact with? In other words, I'm asking you to help educate us. Mm-hmm. We know what's going on um, mm-hmm. with young people, perhaps what to look for whether or not we have children in our home or we work well, we're just members of the community. And so concerned for the men of young people. Well, first of all, I just, I love, I love that you've asked this question because I feel like mental health is one of the things that guides a lot of how I, I approach my work. Um, And so that question is really important. So thank you. I think the biggest thing to understand is one, 
Bob, and I said this at a mental health forum I did last year, but I think parents sometimes worry that they're going to do mental health support incorrectly. You know, they don't know how to start the conversation or they don't know what questions to ask or they don't know, you know, that I asked and they didn't respond. So do I keep asking? And I think what I would say is the only wrong way to do it is to not do it at all. Like you can have an awkward conversation with us with your student about mental health and um and you could be like that was rough but you still showed your kid you care and that's what actually counts whether you phrase the question correctly or not that part doesn't matter what matters is your kid knows your that you have concerns that you are there for them that you are willing to help them through it and then you are willing to find ways to do that together and that's what i think i think that intimidates parents and i think you know, and I don't know if you know this, but my like both of my kids had severe mental health issues growing up, including my oldest who, you know, um, was suicidal. And so I went through the whole gamut of all the things, you know, when you think about worst case scenarios. Um, and so I know what that feels like as a parent. I know what it's like to be afraid to go to sleep because I don't know what my kid's going to do. And so and I had to, you know, I had to take a door off for a while because we were so worried about what was going to happen, you know? So I know what that feels like on the other side of the, the equation. And my goal as a principal and as an educator, not even just principal is how can we mitigate that? How can we as a school do the things here? And then how can we also help our community? And I think that's one of the opportunities that I'm really excited about. We did a mental health forum in February. Uh, here on campus that was pretty well received. And so we're actually going to try to do some of that regularly. Um, I'm going to work with RISE, who is in the community, and a couple of other organizations to see if we can put something on on the regular for our parents. But our goal, like we, I, I'm making sure that we have two full-time mental health professionals here on campus to let a parent, even if they just need to know what to do, they can talk to our mental health professionals here to get guidance if that's what they need, because I want I want that to not be a barrier and have something happen, which we know is, I mean, we had it happen three times. We had three student suicides in one year. There are some people that don't experience that in their whole career, you know? And so if your student isn't mentally healthy, that impacts everything. They can't do anything, you know? And and so it's it's about showing, and some people argue that, you know, your job is just to educate kids. Well, yeah, but if they're not well mentally, they're not going to learn. They're not capable of learning. And so we have to be in partnership. We have to be able to do those things. And I have parents who will email and be like, I don't know what to do. And I'm able to, you know, and I'm not saying they should email me and ask me these things, but I am willing and we're all willing. To help people find the resources that can help them help their family and their kids be okay. Because the mental health crisis, and I do think it's a crisis, you know, and I don't have statistics off the top of my head, but it's a real thing. And your kid can play it off quite well for quite a while until it gets bad. And so I would just say, you know, to parents, again, there's nothing wrong with asking and there's nothing wrong with saying, hey. It's okay if you don't want to talk to me today. I'm going to check on you tomorrow. And you don't have to talk to me tomorrow. 
but I'm going to check on you the next day. Because again, you're just showing your student or kid that you care. And then maybe the 25th time is the time they finally feel ready to talk. You know, you have to present those opportunities um, over and over and over because they're teens and they're stubborn. Um, and so, uh, you know, you can't do it wrong unless you don't do it at all. But I firmly believe that, you know, and and unfortunately, you know, I, I told this, this is how I started my my year last year. I'm in teaching because I student taught. And then I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Arizona was horrible at how it paid teachers. I made more money um, working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car than I was making as a teacher. So I wasn't sure I was going to teach. And then one of the students I had as a student teacher committed suicide. And I I hadn't lost anybody. Like I still remember my grandparents. Like I had ever experienced death. You know, I was a 23-year-old kid. And I remember sitting there going, what? What could I have done differently? How did I miss the sign? How could I have been better for that student who, by the way, was the class clown and never, literally never stopped talking in my class? Like, and, and I just, I was so rocked by that because I was like, I love working with kids and I, I feel like it's a gift. I've, I've always been able to relate well and whatnot. And I missed it. And I couldn't, I couldn't come to terms with that. So, you know, if there's, if, if there's something I can do to help students be okay, that's what I want to do. Because I do think, you know, when you look at how COVID impacted things, like it's hard enough to be a teenager, but now they're coming out of COVID and we're trying to, you know, we're worried about getting into Stanford and Brown or, or worried about putting food on the table or, you know, there's just all of these different things that to take into consideration. But the biggest thing you need to know is that there's adults that care about them, you know, and there's adults that are going to help them. And, and I think that's everything. Yeah. Well, I will talk about this point and then I'll put in on, I feel so strongly. No, well, I could appreciate it. You know, again, being in the classroom and uh, even though I'm with kind of older students, it, it does. <laughs> You know, yeah. and the issues are very, very similar, if not the same. So, yeah, probably. That definitely appreciate that. So, Alana, you know, statistically speaking, the number of K through twelve um, black principals nationally has <laughs> has, uh-huh. and I was looking at some stats from I think the last time they were drawn up that I could find were like 2020, 2021, and it was at a nine point five you know, percent. And before then, it was about 10.4%. So it's dropped. So it has increased. And I wanted to ask you, just again, your opinion, you know, why do you think that is? That is such a great question. And and so I would be curious, if in looking at that, did you also look at overall, just, I wonder how much of that drop is just that mass exodus away from education post-COVID? Because I know that that's been a huge thing as well. Um, one of the things that you know people will uh, will sometimes get sick of me saying, probably especially as I'm here longer, is if our students of color don't have good educational experiences, why on earth would they ever want to go into education? You know, and it's the same when you are in leadership. You know, when you think about being a person of color in leadership. You know, and especially now we have all the affirmative action stuff going on in the election, you know, all the outside stuff. Being a leader of color is hard. 
it is really, really, really hard. And you have to, I think you just have to really be a certain type of person to to be able to withstand not only the stressors of just what's going on in society, but education as well, you know? And, and I think that I hope as there's more of us, we can start to build and have more community to offer more support so that we can start to build up more of our of our teachers of color to become leaders because if we don't provide that, why on earth would they want to want to sit in this chair? Like it's hard just in general. And then you add being a minority on top of it. And it's it's hard. Like this is not an easy, an easy position to be in as a person of color. Can you say more about that in terms of what makes it hard or give us an example? I think you could probably extrapolate it to any position, to be honest with you, any management position as a person of color. Why am I here? Why am I the token person? You know, are people going to listen to me because I'm a minority? I mean, you can run through the whole gamut of things. I don't know. I don't know any leaders of color that are immune to that. Not one. You know, every leader that I know of color has those thoughts and so we have and i don't want to say that as like well is me like i do love my job and it, but it's hard um we have the layers you know of every decision we're making every conversation we're having it's it's always in the back of my head i don't know about you but you know it's are, are they thinking weird of me because i'm black are they gonna listen to me are they gonna take me seriously or, you know, it's a constant, it's a constant narrative that we have. And this, the political and social environment is making it worse right now, I believe. And so I think it's, I, we have to stick together. We have to be here for one another because how else are we going to manage and sustain? I think that's the, you know, we have to look at how are you going to retain that? leaders of color when the job is hard as it is and you have all those extra elements added to it i'm just really stubborn and i don't give up and i don't you know so i i know i'm gonna be okay but i can see where i mean things happen we we're still in a in a system that is historically against people who look like me and now i'm the one leading it you know, it's a it's a very we have a lot of work to do, and I don't see we older high school we collectively on the way. You know, because it's that is not it's not easy. No, yeah, I can attest to that. So <laughs> So let me ask you this: like, kind of shifting shifting gears just for the ball. Do your both or high school colleagues know about your book, Domestically Challenged? <laughs> Domestic, you know, or surely do. Why becoming a stay-at-home mom? Again, let me repeat: Domestically Challenged: A Working Mom's Survival Guide to Becoming a Stay-at-Home. The <laughs> book was published in two thousand and seven. And so, has the thing survival guide, Alana? How do you feel? Uh -huh. Night has uh, held out. Oh, it definitely could use another edition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I got a little bit of bits. 
We're buying uh, oh, the sequel, part two. Oh, that is so funny. I haven't even thought about it. And so it feels like another lifetime ago. I'm sure people know about it because I know everybody, the first thing they did was Google me. Um, and so I know people are aware of it. But yeah, so I did. I took a little hiatus when I was um, teaching. And oh, man, some people are just not designed to be at home parents. And I was just but let's I missed the classroom. Like I missed my students. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, here's the thing that also added to my experience because, you know, I got to experience three solid years and then additional, cause I wrote after that for quite some time, I got to experience being a professional writer. I did TV, I did radio, I did podcasts. I had a podcast. I was a spokesperson for a big brand for a summer. Like that experience gave me a lot of very unique experiences that have shaped who I am today. So, but man, I haven't thought about that in a long time. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. <laughs> well, I was very proud of that title too, because if that was not accurate, I don't know what was. And well, well I loved it. I loved when I saw that. Oh, so funny. You know, I'm told this, you know, I've had I've had a number of folks. Um primarily what I will call these are Michelle Simpson's words. Um oh. Primarily well-meaning uh, white community members ask me how they can best support you. And okay. I know that you're necessarily looking to be supported, but if you are, what you would want them to know. Oh, gosh. Wow, that is such a great question. I've never even thought about it that way. You know, I think, I think understanding that two things. I'm going to talk principle and then black woman Alana. Principal, I always have students' best interests at heart, and I'm always going to do my best to do what's right by them in whatever constructs that means. When I think about it as a Black female, I think one of, you know, when we talk about anti-racist behavior and how do we, you know, how do we raise awareness for microaggressions and all those things, I think for me, it's an understanding and a willingness to engage in conversation. You know, I, 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 like many of my, my friends who are minorities and especially my black friends, you know, obviously over the past few years, we've talked a lot about, um, this anti-racist movement and what does that look like and how do we support it and all of the different things. And, you know, it, what I keep saying, you cannot force somebody to be self-reflective. Like you can't. If somebody's not going to be self-reflective, we have no control over that. But when you do have somebody who is willing to engage in a conversation about why or how their behavior impacts a person of color, that's the only way we're going to start making any positive change. And so what I would say is um, just being open. Is, is a really big thing. Um, gosh, that is such a good question. I've never thought about it that way. I think that openness is big, and I think an understanding of, you know, just understanding things like microaggressions and what those can possibly look like. But to be honest, I haven't, I, I haven't really experienced too much of that in, uh, in this role thus far. But um, to be honest, just the fact that anybody would ask that 
that's huge. There's a lot of communities you could be in where that's not going to happen. And so I think the fact that anybody would even ask that, like, that's that's already putting your steps ahead. You know, Alana, um, I think there's always some mystique um, around the principle. Uh-huh. And I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, what do you want us to know about you? Now, you may want to, you know, actually construct a bit more mystique. How may want to unpack so mystique? I'll allow you to do with it what you will. I really don't need to. Be, I don't need mystique. I don't need mystique. Here's you know when it really comes down to it. What I I hope people understand is I genuinely love what I do. I love coming to work each day. I love everything. And and if I can still say I love my job after last year, I feel like that hopefully shows that like if we can make it through that, we can make it through anything. Um, I'm just I'm so excited. I have such a unique opportunity that I'm just so grateful for to be in a school with so much potential and so much history and so much love and support and not every principal gets that you know and and the fact that i get to experience that is great so i don't i don't want there to be mystique around me i want people to feel like they can come up and talk to me or have students come in and say hi or you know those things are really important to me because that's my that's my connection and that's my reminder that's my fun first of all but that's my reminder of why i do the hard stuff too the reason i do the hard stuff is so that i can also do the fun stuff and see the benefit of that. So when, you know, when you see me out at a game yelling, that is legitimately genuine. Like I am that person who's going to yell at every sporting event, you know, like it just is going to be, but you know, cause I, I genuinely, I was like this when I was in the classroom, like every kid here is my kid. Every teacher here is my, I am responsible for them. And I see them as, I, I know there's, you know, some pushback right now about, about calling, you know, your work, your family, but I look at myself as the school mom, you know, and sometimes moms have to put their foot down and sometimes moms are going to make bake you some cookies, but either way, they still love you, you know, and that's kind of how I hope to approach this. I want people to, I want everybody to be able to walk into Boulder High School and feel like they belong. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they look like. I don't care their background. I want everybody to be able to walk in school and immediately feel like, okay, I like the way it feels here. That's what I want. And so I don't, I don't really want there to be mystique around, you know, like I said, maybe to a fault, but what you see is what you get. So um, I'm, I, I'm pretty much like, this is, this is who I am. There's not a lot of pretense. It's not anymore. I just, I don't, I don't have time for that. So uh, I, I'm doing this because I love it. You know, I, I wrote a book, I did TV, I did all that. And I came back to teaching because I loved working with kids because I feel like I can have a positive impact. I feel like I can give, help teachers, give students an exceptional educational experience. And I love that I get to be a part of that. So for me, I am, I don't, I don't want it to be a mystique or mysterious or there's the principle. Like I love being, I love being in the community. I love talking to people. I love people sharing their stories because when I hear their stories, I get to, one, I get to understand, you know, where they're coming from, but it just shows how the ties here are so, so strong. 
and how much people love the school and community and everything. And um, like, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? So, yeah, I just, I just, I, and I, and I, and I don't want to say grateful. Uh, you know, I say I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful as a professional because I, again, not every professional, not every principal, not every administrator gets the opportunity to do what I'm doing. You know, and so I feel very lucky and very fortunate um, to be where I'm at. And, and I want people to know, you know, that I, I take it very seriously. Like, it's, it, this is very important to me. This is my place. You know, I'm here all the time checking to make sure that things are working and we're trying to, you know, it's just, this is my house that people, you know, and I just, it, it's very important to me. And so, um, yeah, I just... I think I rambled. I'm not sure I actually answered right. your question. <laughs> oh, you did a fabulous job, but I do I, I I just, want to add. I feel so strongly. <laughs> well, that comes through and, and you know, so passion. Now that speaks to your passion as an educator. Let me just ask lastly or finally sure. is that you wanted to speak to Alana during this conversation that I haven't kind of directed you towards uh, via a question that I've asked. No, I actually really, I really appreciate your questions and I appreciate and hopefully, like I said, I don't know, because what you see is what you get. I've been very honest with, you know, how, how I answer and I just, no, I, I really appreciated the depth of conversation we've been able to have. This has been very, very enjoyable. And I just really like talking to people. So (laughs) you've been very enjoyable to chat with. So no, I just, I just, I, I would like people to know, I, Yes, I okay. I take it back. I would like people to know I do appreciate their support. I do appreciate their understanding. You know, um, you know, there were disagreements with me in this role, and there's going to be. That's just inevitable. But I also have really appreciated how, uh, you know, even when a parent and I, or you know, community member and I differ on something, whatever that may be, um doesn't mean we can't still have a good relationship. It doesn't mean we can't still be respectful. It doesn't mean, you know, and I, I've just had so many positive experiences with that so far. And so I just really appreciate the support, um, particularly, again, this last year was really tough. And so I, I'm just grateful that we have the community we have because we were able to come together and help each other get through it. No, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed um, just absorbing your passion and for the role you're in. Uh, I'm not in a role of principal. I'm, you know, not a high school, but I absolutely love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. And knows me knows um, that I'm happiest when I'm in the classroom. And being around students, and yep. uh, yeah, any opportunity to be able to do that is just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, a slice of heaven for me. So Absol- I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So I have to say when we talk again uh, and when we speak again, uh, at least kind of officially um, on Black Talk, you will no longer be the newish ish out of school and we'll all be so interested. Um, in hearing and learning what you're hearing and learning and how I appreciate that and you know just to check in and see what's going on so I'm gonna invite right. look forward to it it'd be this time next year and uh, kind of up to see what you're up to and uh, 
again, just checking in. But again, fabulous to have you. Fabulous to have you at Boulder High School and part of the community. And as a member of the Renee Crown Wallace Institute team, look forward to uh, many more conversations. Absolutely. I absolutely welcome it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in to our conversation today with Boulder High School's Black woman principal, Dr. Alana Morales. And we've been talking to her about her past year. We've gone on a retrospective of sorts to learn about her experiences and to hear her reflections. Look forward to having you back with us next time on Black Talk.